What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Robin Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Jawan, and we have a great episode uh, planned for you guys today. Um, let me introduce my co-host, Tia. What's going on, Tia? Hey, 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 guys. How are you all today? I'm really excited to be talking about all of the topics that we have on the docket. Um, yeah, no, everything is great. I've been doing a Marvel rewatch today and i'm excited to watch this new hbo show called the outsider later so yeah good day all around for me is that the one with my my sugar daddy ben mendelson yes yes it is (laughs) hey well hey well we were just doing um we were just doing introductions I'm, i'm about to introduce you now hold on i was uh tia brought up a show i wanted to make sure it was the same show i was thinking about so that that's the one with Jason Bateman and my sugar daddy, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, right there. First of all, yes, and second, I love that you are calling him your sugar daddy because I agree. His voice alone, like peak yeah. sugar daddy level. A hundred percent. Well, what's what's going on, man? How how you feeling? Good. What's up? How you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh-huh. You called in at the right time. Tia was just finishing up her um her intro, so we could have went right into you. She just threw me off because I completely didn't know when that show was supposed to start. I thought it was later this month. Um, so finding out that it's like today makes me makes my day a little better. So I appreciate that, Tia. <laughs> Usually make my day. Yeah. A little better. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. Let's start off with uh, some trailer talk. We got two big trailers that dropped uh, this past week and a half. Um, Let's start off with New Mutants. Um, Tia, I'll go to you first. What were your thoughts on the last trailer, I would assume, um, but I can't say first. So we assume it's the last trailer of New Mutants that we'll get before the release? I would assume it's the last one, but... I really liked it. I believe it looked relatively similar to the first one, although I should have done my homework and went back and watched the one that was released like two years ago. But it felt relatively the same. And it's funny seeing the reaction for it on the Internet because obviously this is a movie that a lot of people, even yourself, um, has said to throw away pretty much, right? And when the trailer was released, 
suddenly you saw everyone, at least on Twitter, saying, you know what, it looks pretty good. And I, I have to agree with them. I think that it looked really good. I got the same feeling that I did two years ago where I was excited to go see it. Um, and I know that probably nothing will come from this. And I know that probably the actors at this point really don't care, but I'm still excited to see it. I would, um, it's a finished project. And I think that we do deserve to see it. And the trailer looked great to me. I loved, um, again, from what I loved about two years ago, I love the whole idea of them uh, in this, like, asylum pretty much in that quote of, I don't think we're here for them to help us. And it very much gave me the vibe that we kind of got in Logan for those uh, children mutants in that facility, something a little similar where it's very morbid and it's very just uh, manipulative, and I like it. So I guess... What I'm trying to say is that I'm a Cypherd, and to me, it really did the job of getting me to look forward to the movie. Yeah, and I, I do, I do want to stress this because I, I think with my very strong take on what Disney should do with this movie, what gets lost is the fact that I was one of the maybe very few people um, that were extremely excited for this movie. Um, one, when it was first announced, and then two, after that first trailer dropped. Um, this, like, this movie isn't what my issue is, necessarily. My my bigger issue is um, I have a problem giving money to someone who is, who seemingly uh, appeared to not have complete faith in their own project. Um, it having to go through reshoots uh, is it, it, as many times as it seemingly had to it it being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back uh just kind of it, it kind of you know worn on me a little bit to where I'm like just don't don't release it and then when you when it went to Disney I'm like there's no way in hell Kevin Feige is going to let the new mutants be the first mutants we see so it won't be part of the MCU so I'm like I would hate that if I saw this movie I loved it and then could never see these characters again. Um, so I'm like, just throw it away. Like, why? 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 Like, all right, cool. If you're Disney, you're like, from a business standpoint, we put it out, does well, makes money, we get the money. All right, great. If it does bad, who cares? Um, but for me, I'm like, if it does really well and I love it, I'm going to want more. And I'll never get more from it. Um, so that was, that was really my biggest issue. I, I never had a problem with the movie itself. I was a huge fan of that first trailer, and this was actually, excuse me, a little different from the first trailer. It was scarier. Um, it was darker. Uh, it was a little bit edgier than that first trailer was. Um, and I even possibly have a um, really cool rumor for you guys that um, I'm hearing there's a really good chance Mr. Sinister could be behind um, this entire uh what would you call it? Um, hospital? Yeah. Hospital or whatever they're in, he could be behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that that really excites me a lot more because um, I'm like, I'm waiting to see Mr. Sinister. He should have been in Logan. Should have been the big bad in Logan. Still don't understand why they didn't go with Mr. Sinister or at least Sabretooth. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, Mr. Sinister could be in it. But I did also want to um, 
bring up a cool fact that I learned from Joel actually about the uh, one of the characters from the New Mutants. <clears throat> Hold on, let me bring up the cast. Oh, so Anna Taylor Joy's character Magic is actually the sister of Colossus. I did not know. I that. saw that. Isn't yeah. That so cool. So, yeah, so what I does that, that awesome. mean that maybe? What does that mean that maybe there's a chance of? seeing these characters in the new Deadpool if it does well enough? No. I, I, I honestly don't. I honestly feel as though the next Deadpool movie um, will be one or two things. It will either be X-Force um, or if it's just a solo movie. I f- here's, the, here's the problem to you. Kevin Feige can't introduce any more mutants in that before he introduces mutants. Because now you're talking about, like, Deadpool isn't in its own world. It's supposed to connect. So it's like, if you have mutants showing up, everyone's going to go, well, uh, you know, we're going to go, there's no mutants in the MCU. Like, where did they come from? You know? And now you have to, like, explain where they came from. Then you have to do a huge story of how, I I don't think he's going to do that. Which is one of the reasons why I think Deadpool 3 might come eons after uh, phase four or, or possibly even phase five. It might be in phase five, but it, it would have to come after an X-Men movie, I would assume. Um, so I, I don't know how he's going to play that. I think that's very, that's very tricky. That's very, very, very tricky, but um, no, I, I don't see it. And here's the thing. The feel of this movie seems drastically different than Deadpool. So it's like you taking these darker characters and now making them humorous could possibly take a little bit away from what we just saw them in. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think he'll reuse these characters again, to be honest with you, Tia. Um, I think this is it. <laughs> like, we'll see it. We'll either enjoy You're it or not. You're probably right. So that's what I'm wrapping my head around. So I don't, I don't set myself up for, uh, for disappointment. It's just... I, I don't see them doing anything with, with these guys past this movie. But, um, Will, what were your thoughts on the new New Mutants trailer? Well, my thoughts were this, this trailer actually got me interested in, the, um, in, in this uh, film. I was pretty much thinking that uh, I really didn't have much interest in it at all, obviously, prior to, the, prior to this trailer. But now I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I may go. I may go check it out. Uh, I know earlier in the week there was some discussion about whether or not. I think there was a uh, press release that was on the Disney Twenty Three Fan Club site saying that this was uh, linking them to the MCU. But I see they've they've walked that back and have taken that down. But uh, I, I was intrigued. Uh, Good speaking to your earlier uh, comments there uh, regarding Deadpool and just the, the larger uh, Marvel world if this was, you know, indeed going to be a way that they try to bridge these two franchises together. But it seems like, I I think you're probably right. It's probably just going to be a one-off and uh, they probably won't use these characters again. I mean, just given how much trouble they've had just getting this film to, to the release to begin with. Uh, But, but then again, if it, if it does relatively well, better than dark Phoenix, then, then who knows that we may, uh, it may breathe new life into this, into these characters, and and this particular uh, part of the X 
franchise, and, and maybe they'll make more. So we, we shall see. But getting to the trailer itself, I, I really liked it. It had that. It had a very spooky uh, vibe to it. It's almost it's almost a shame that they didn't release it around Halloween because just the, the vibes that the trailer was giving off mm-hmm. were very much like a, a good fall, October, Halloween type of film. And uh, so it's a shame that it's uh, uh, not going to be released that time of year. I know it's going to be now in April, but uh, I think it would have, especially taking it back to, like, say, Venom, how they had marketed it when it was released, it, it reminded me a lot of that. So uh, I think I'm, I'm definitely more intrigued about this film than I was before. I, I'll say, to me, I don't usually like cliches, but I would have liked it if they found a month um, that had Friday the 13th on it and released it then. Um, I, I think that also caters to the the scary element. A lot of people believe in Friday the 13th and, and stuff like that. Um, there's no way they were going to put it that far out, only because it's like, you've already made us wait this long. Like, you got to put it out as early as possible. And April is right around uh, box office, like uh, the, the true box office season, uh, which we know is the peak, the summer, May, you know, June, July, August. Um, my, my biggest issue is, I mean, t- to your point, if it does well, the problem about Feige using any of these characters going forward is you would have to explain how, how these mutants got here. Um, and you'd be going backwards. Like, you'd have to explain how they got here. Then you'd have to explain how they only got here through the mutants that we originally know. Xavier, Magneto, Wolverine, Cyclops, Colossus, Storm. Um, so you'd have to explain both. How did they get here? Um, and I think if you're Feige, it's just it's too much of a headache. So I think this movie is a one-off. Um, I think Deadpool 3 yeah, probably after. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I, you know, I think Spider-Man: Far From Home opens up that door with the notion of the multiverse. So you could introduce him that way. You could if it comes after you introduce the X-Men, because you'd have to tell us how the X-Men got here. Um, and if you're saying that the X-Men got here from another Earth, then yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, definitely, it fits, it fits right in. Um, but if you're saying that, um, uh trying to think of the the movie um that comes out this year oh man the marvel movie. the eternals yes the, if you say eternals or who created mutants and mutants have been here all like my theory is and i told you all this i believe sword sword where samuel jackson was at the end of spider-man i believe sword has been keeping mutants secret for their own safety um and there will be an event where something happens that mutants get loose um, and then that's how we kind of find out, like, they've been amongst us this entire time. I think that's the smartest way to do it. That's the easiest way to do it. I, for people like Joel, it'll take a little bit more explaining to kind of, for them to kind of really buy into it. Um, but you saying a different earth, it starts to unravel a little bit because then people will go, well, if it's a different earth, is there possible, is it possible Steve's alive? in another earth or Tony is a, and then it just starts, it starts to snowball a little bit. So it's kind of like, true, but yeah, you know? it does snowball, but yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, it, but 
that being said, I mean, if, if for example, if somehow Robert Downey changes his mind and say, hey, you know, maybe I will come back for another film, and I, and I know that under, I know that probably wouldn't happen because it really undercuts what they tried to achieve in Endgame. But uh, having the, I think the simple fact that they recognize that there is a multiverse gives them some creative opportunities to be able to tie in other characters from, like, for example, the X. Men franchise into into this MCU world, and it, and you could you could use that could be sort of the underpinnings for how you could narratively get them into into this MCU universe. I just think multiple universes. And I'm going to see if, if you have anything to say to you. Uh, multiple universes to me are like time travel. Um, it, it, it's a cheat code. And sometimes I believe that it waters stories down. Um, like I, you know, I like the fact that the Flash has not gone back in time to try to bring people back. Because uh, once you do it once, everyone's gonna want it every time someone important dies, and then it undercuts it. So if it's like there's a yeah, different Earth, they, people are gonna. No, but they about. just they just introduce. Yeah, but they just introduce a character from another Earth and just you know just integrate them into it. So. Yeah. So no, they may they not bring hurt. back. They did it very sleekly, but it took a, it took an event like that to do it. And it's like, well, if you have an event like that, then let, let's see how it shakes out. But it's all about how you're able to do it. And I'm just curious on how they introduce the X-Men. Because once they do that, we don't have to worry about bridging anything else. They have everything else. You know? So that's the, that's yeah. the last big piece on, on the board are the X-Men. How do you explain them? I mean, Fantastic Four would be a lot easier – because you could say they've been here the entire time just working for the government. Um, we know that they work for the government. They've done it in the comics numerous times. Um, the X-Men are just harder to explain because they were born that way. Fantastic Four, they were, they were made into that. Um, so I, it's, just, it's a lot harder. And I think what will confuse people is how we got Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. They were essentially made. That's not how mutants <laughs> come about. Um, right. <laughs> it's going to be hard to, to re-explain that because she is a mutant. Now you have to integrate the fact that she's a mutant. Um, but, but Tia, what, what do you think about all this? I mean, I personally don't mind the idea of multiverses and using that. I think that that's something that Marvel is going to be using going forward. We have a movie coming out that literally is called The Multiverse of Madness. Um, And I think that it would be a pretty seamless way, in my opinion, to introduce the X-Men. Because as, you know, we've said, it would be a little just not cohesive to be like, oh, yeah, they were here this whole entire time. Like this whole entire time, all of them, this huge, massive school full of, uh, you know, powerful beings and they've never once, like, you know, uh, stepped up to help out. Like, I think that, you know, like it, it falls into, say, the Captain Marvel um, problem, right? If she's so strong and she's been around for all these years, why have we never seen her pop up? Um, but if you have it where, well, the reason why you haven't seen the X-Men pop up is because they were literally in a different universe and now suddenly there's, you know, bridging that gap to other universes. I just don't see it as a problem, and I also 
in my mind, think that it's the only way to introduce them into the MCU. Obviously, as you said, Joanne, we have to be a little careful with that because, yes, you can spiral into the whole thing where fans are going to want Cap to come back, they're going to want Tony to come back, but fans are going to have to, I guess, realize that, no, that's not the purpose of this multiverse to get all of them back. Um, the purpose of this multiverse is to introduce new characters. Well, that, that's my point about why I think saying they've been here all along could work is because Captain Marvel did work. It was explained why she hasn't been here um, the entire time. It was explained twice, actually. It was explained in the movie when she said what she would go, uh, what she would be doing. Um, and it was explained again um, at the end of Infinity War and then even more in Endgame. Um, so where she said, not every planet has the Avengers. I, I got a job to do. I protect planets. Um, not just Earth. I protect all planets. So it's like, you could say the X-Men are something that um, if you're sword or if you're shield or whatever, um, they're, they're too powerful to just release on, on anyone. Um, someone has to govern that power. Um, so, I mean, a, a lot of it could, could make sense. It, it, it could, is, is what I'm saying. Maybe not the most ideal thing to do. Uh, maybe multiverse is, is the best thing to do. Um, I'm just saying you could say they've been here the whole time and it works because we we just saw it. <laughs> we just saw that Captain Marvel has existed this entire time. Um, and you just explained what she's been doing. Um, I, I just think there's, there's two ways to go about it. I don't think there's only one way to do it. Uh, but like I said, it'll be interesting to see how he does it. Uh, knowing Kevin Feige, it'll probably be crazier than anything we could probably comprehend. Um, but all right, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit of Birds of Prey. Uh, T, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the Birds of Prey trailer. So, sorry, I had, uh, myself on mute, but yeah. So I know that in past podcasts when we've talked about the Birds of Prey trailers, I've been really underwhelmed. But I have to say, for some reason, you and I were talking about this, Juwan, at some point throughout the week. This trailer, not that it excited me the way, say, like the Black Widow trailer or the Wonder Woman trailer did, but I watched the Birds of Prey trailer, and then afterwards, as I kept thinking about it, then I was kind of getting myself hyped the more I was thinking about it. And I always know that I'm interested in things when I go to Tumblr and look things up to see if people have already, like, gifted certain scenes in trailers and movies and such. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to see more of Ian McGregor's Black Mask, uh, Yes to On, you're right, comic book accuracy. It was awesome seeing him finally put the mask on. It got me really excited. Um, it looks, you know, it definitely has a very unique, uh, funky vibe to it. I liked Harley Quinn essentially sniffing cocaine and getting her little pep up from that. Uh, I, I thought that was personally hilarious. It was nice seeing um, Black Canary you know, shatter uh, some glasses and blowing some bad guys away with her powers. Um, I like Harley kind of explaining why each of them are targets um, of the Black Mask. That was really cool. 
I have to say one thing. I so probably one of the things that for me continues like the reason why I'm not overly excited about this movie is I don't know why. I don't think that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was a good selection for Huntress. And it has nothing to do with the freaking costume. Like that people I need to get over that with the costume. But it has nothing to do with the costume. I just personally don't like the way that she's playing this character. But besides that, the this trailer specifically got me more excited for the movie than I have been this entire time. It looks now more fun. I loved at the end of the trailer the little hyena Bruce snickering. That was great because you wouldn't think that they would be able to incorporate that into the live action capacity, but we got it and that was really cool. I am interested in seeing again more of Ian McGregor and um, oh God, the guy who plays his like number two pretty much that I don't know, are they together? Are they not together? They look like they're together in the movie. They might not be together, but that guy. <laughs> I, I do want to hear a little bit more about. Uh, I don't say your beef. <laughs> Let me not say that. Uh, I don't why, have you beef. Don't like, why you don't like Mary's? Here's here's the funny thing. Before before I, I I pass it to you, I don't I didn't I didn't and I still don't really like either of not really any of the castings um, of anyone in this movie. Really, um, they're all very out there castings. Um, it's like they went way out there to do these castings when there were just like so many more obvious choices um, for both of these characters but I just saw Gemini Man I love marrying that Um, I personally do know um, uh, I just forget her name wow Billy just forgot her name Um, yeah I, I just went completely blank like I, I'm um, seeing Smollett, her face. Uh, blank. Ju- uh, 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 Jeremy Smollett, isn't it? Journey, uh, Jesse. Yeah, Journey. Journey, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I didn't like it then. I, I still don't like it now. I just got over it. I mean, I think Mary is a great actress. I think she could easily do it. I think her advantage is we've never really saw that much of, of Canary. I mean, not Canary, of um, Huntress. I think we're no, journey. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I just wanted to say that I don't think that she's a bad actress. I've seen her in now uh, this movie called The Parts You Lose with Aaron Paul and Scoot McNary in it. And mm-hmm. I watched the third season of Fargo and she was great. I have nothing against the actress. She is a good actress. I don't know why, but I feel like from what we see in the trailers, she's overacting a little. Like, I saw in the last trailer, right, um, you had that scene where uh, Canary says that Huntress has rage issues, and she's like, I don't have rage issues. And I saw people thinking that was hilarious, and I'm like, oh, it was, it was cringy to me. And I felt the same way in this trailer when she was, like, sliding down whatever tube, like, stabbing the dude, just kind of yelling. And I was like, why? It just felt overacting to me i i don't think any scene that did not have ewan uh or margo in it i felt as though every other scene that didn't have those two in it 
was bad cuts. I thought you didn't properly set up any of the lines that you showed for them. Um, I think in the full context of the movie, um, you'll be okay with it. But I, I like like I said, I've gotten over the fact that I don't like their casting for these two characters. Um, I, I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll be fine. I think this movie will be something that I, I look at and I go, maybe the acting from everyone wasn't that great, but I had a fun time. Like, I, Tia, I will say this to the day I die. That Venom movie was not the best acting out of some of Hollywood's best actors, and I still had a fun time with that movie. Uh, I still think, I don't know what they were aiming for Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock to be, but it was really weird. Um, but I still had... It was terrible. <laughs> the acting was terrible. His his mannerisms were terrible. Like, I don't know what Eddie Brock that was supposed to be. I've never seen that kind of Eddie Brock. Comics, cartoons, nothing. So I'm like, what? Um, I just didn't think any of the, the acting from a lot of the people in that, that we know are great actors, were really that well, you know, uh, well portrayed. But it was still a really fun movie. So I think if Birds of Prey does that for me. I can live with it. I'm, I'm fine. I, I don't really think they're they're really rushing to do a sequel to this movie. Um, so I I can live with it. You know, maybe maybe it'll still be a lot of fun. But um, Will, your thoughts on the Birds of Prey trailer? Well, it it definitely was better than the first one. Uh, I don't, but it still hasn't moved me to want to go see it. Honestly, I I have I'm having more fun quite frankly, with the Harley Quinn cartoon on DC Universe. I know I've mentioned that before when I was on with you all, and and I stand by that. I This movie, to me, just, you know, with the new trailer, she was talking about leaving Mr. J and all and everything, and I'm like, well, you know, they're doing it so much better on the DC Universe app. If you're going to do a movie about the Birds of Prey, do a movie about the birds of prey and don't put Harley in it. This is, you know, or just be, or just be honest about it and just say, this is a Harley Quinn movie. Uh, so it, again, it, 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 this will be one. I can just go ahead and say, I'll just, I'll, it's just going to be Netflix for me. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the theater. I, nothing in this trailer has moved me to say, Oh, I want to plop, plop down my money to go see it in the theater. Oh, yeah, I agree with you, Will. I don't think I'll be, like, you know, throwing down $15 to go see this in the movies. And um, I think I remember last podcast you talking about the Harley Quinn cartoon. I'm so happy that someone else is watching that because it is amazing. And as you said, that is the number one problem I have with this Birds of Prey. It is not a Birds of Prey movie. It is not a Birds of Prey movie. It's a Harley Quinn movie that you just happen to feature the birds of prey in, and that just bothers the shit out of me. Okay, I'll say this, because I've heard this, I've heard that literally everywhere, everywhere. Here's Here's my response to that. No one can tell me one or two things. One, you cared about birds of prey prior to the, the announcement that this was going to be a movie. Or two, you could name a solid five times you've read or seen these characters that you truly, really said, you know what? I'd love to see them in a live-action movie. So and we have to point. realize. But 
hold on. But we have to realize this movie has to be marketed. No one knows these characters. So the only way to market it is off someone that everyone knows. Comic fans, non-comic fans. And that's Harley Quinn. So you can't tease like, hey, look, the person you know is going to be in it, but it's going to be about them. No, you got to kind of cater to what people really enjoy right now, and that's Harley. Right, but they should have – well, they should have just been just intellectually honest and just – and to, to match up the title with the marketing, which is, is this is the Harley Quinn film, instead of calling it Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Well, uh, just no, go no, ahead and call it Harley no, Quinn. It's a spinoff of the original Suicide Squad film. Just be, just no, be up front with it. And no one cares, you know, because I mean, we've seen the Birds of Prey as far as the Arrowverse from with the Canaries, and no, you're right. I, I agree with you that that alone is not going to uh, draw people to a film unless you unless you set them up. And yeah, so yes, Harley is the the thing that is the glue that sets up the, the Birds of Prey, and. And and so yeah, that that's that's gonna be the draw. But whenever you have other properties that are out there that it that is doing a phenomenal job of and and just uh, just a real kick ass funny great job of storytelling with both Harley Quinn and and quite frankly, Lake Bell as as Poison Ivy, I, I I will go. I will. I mean, I'm paying money to see that every month versus this one-off film that just seems like just really, and it, it really wasn't something that I don't know if there was a demand for it. No, there, there's not. And don't get me wrong; they should have done a Harley Quinn movie that ended um, that ended where it set up Gotham City Sirens. Um, and then they should have made a movie that, um, you know, sets up uh, Birds of Prey on its own. Just just those two characters, um, you know, like a girl's night out kind of thing. Those two characters trying to escape Black Mass. That's what it should have been. I will never disagree with you guys on that. But we need to also remember there is a reason why Harley Quinn's name is in the title of the movie. And it is seemingly her movie. Um, they wanted to call it Birds of Prey, so people who are aware of the characters are like, "Oh, yeah, Birds of Prey are in it." I think what we are miss, what we are undervaluing, is the fact that just because we haven't seen them a lot in the trailer, doesn't mean we're not going to see them a lot in the movie. Um, they just have to market it. So, I mean, we could see them almost as much as we see Harley. Like, if I had to break it down, I would say Harley probably in this movie that what the the, the 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 official runtime is what like two hours, so I would say, uh, Black Canary and Huntress have at least an hour each, um, maybe a little bit more. Um, Harley probably has the majority, but we know this. But I I don't think we should jump to assume that we're not going to see a lot of them because they just haven't been in the trailer a lot. Um, I think maybe a lot of their scenes in the movie all really special scenes so it's like they want to cut scenes to where it's like you're just getting a glimpse of them we saw black canary use her powers that's very important um you know we saw huntress just completely kicking at that's important uh i think when we sit down and watch this movie we will get a great dose of birds of prey um 
and we will get a, a a really good representation of those characters. And of course, Harley Quinn will be the the face of it. But I just I I don't see where where the issue in that is because you have to market. No one a knows these characters <laughs> outside of Harley, and b no one really cares about Huntress or Black Canary. I mean, Will, we watched the CW verse and we never said, you know who deserves their own show? Huntress and Black Canary. You know? Well, yeah. And Black Canary may have, the Canaries may have their own show, assuming that this backdoor pilot gets picked up. But, uh, you know, know, again, I think think in, in concept, DC was like, okay, what can we do to, you know, basically break up the sameness of of our films and, and, and being a bunch of, you know, male-led characters? And so they looked at the shelf, and other than Wonder Woman, who else do we have? That's that's a that's a, a known draw, as far as a name that people recognize, and it, it is indeed Harley Quinn. Um, and so they just built from that, and and you know, again. It, I might be completely surprised. I mean, it's sort of, it could be the Venom phenomenon where, you know, whenever people saw Venom, it was like, how can you have, you know, Venom work without Spider-Man? And, you know, that film went on to make, what, a billion dollars. So this film could very well do that, and I will be eating my crinary and just deal with it. But, um, but again, I just – just as casual – I mean, admit, you know, I have, I'm trying to look at it not from comic book nerd, but from casual fan. And I know casual fan will see Margaret Robbie's name, and it's going to get you know that will definitely draw a lot of people there. Uh, there is, I mean, visually it is. I have to admit, the trailer did look better. I mean, it did a better job of selling the story. It did do a better job of setting up the other three characters. And so, you know, again, it didn't speak to me because. I, I just, like I said, for the various reasons I've stated before, but for a casual comic book fan, it may be like, oh, this looks really good, and they will go see it. And it will be another, we'll be talking again how we have uh, under underestimated the DCEU. I mean, when you think about it, uh, they've really been on a very hot streak from Shazam, Joker, and this one could be the next, next hot thing that will uh, – Again, say okay, we need to stop undercutting the, underestimating the DCEU. They they actually are they're, they're players and they're here to stay. I'll I'll say this, Venom. When I left Venom, I, I remember telling telling Joel like the mention of J. Jonah Jameson's son that flew the ship that crashed back back on Earth. That was huge. Uh, if you were if if you're a true nerd of of the comics, right? She Venom. That was huge. Knowing that there's a Venom family out there, that was huge. Carnage at the end, minus how horrible Woody Harrelson looks with hair, that was huge. So, like, as a geek, it hit a lot of the points that I'm like, you got to hit these points if you're going to do a Spider-Man list Venom. Um, So I look at Birds of Prey, and I'm like, Canary's Cry looks freaking amazing. Huntress looks badass. Uh, you know, we obviously see uh, Black Mask with his actual Black Mask. Those are those are the points that I needed. And now that I got them, I'm like, even if this movie is bad, I can still leave and say, like, it might have been a lot of fun. Like, Venom was. It was just fun. Um, but it hit a few things that I'm like, 
are they gonna are they gonna go all the way? And you showing that he has the mask on seemingly early, I was like, okay, yeah, no, you got me. Like that was all I was looking for. Um, and apparently at the Brazil event, um, they had said that the the shot that they got from the trailer or the clip or whatever showed that Huntress, Canary, and Black Mask all have their comic accurate costumes. And once once I heard that, I'm like, you got me. I'm sold. Once I see them in in their accurate costumes, nothing else I need. <laughs> I can I can I can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, but Tia, I wanted you to get back in here before we move on. I mean, I was only going to say to the whole, no one knows these characters, but everyone knows Harley Quinn. Um, and this is a completely different machine, pretty much. But no one outside of comic book fans knew who the hell Guardians of the Galaxy were. I had no idea, but I went and watched it because the trailer looked really freaking cool. Yeah, but I think by the time Guardians came out, you were just like, even if you were a casual viewer, you were like, these guys have a pretty good track record. Like, I've seen their last 15 movies, and they're pretty good. So it was like, by the time you got to Guardians, it was like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out. Let me see what these guys are doing. I don't think if you're DC, you have that luxury. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to do a cyborg movie, guys. And because we're DC, like, you'll like it. No, you 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 don't have that. <laughs> I don't even think after Joker's success, you have that ability. I, I don't think it's a, a given people are going to go see Birds of Prey, um, especially because it's you know it's nowhere near connected. Um, so you just you don't have that room to just do that. That's why I think uh, Blue Beetle is going to turn into a TV series instead of a movie. You just don't have the luxury to just tell fans like, hey, you'll like it, right? No, <laughs> no. You know, like, in Marvel's had a few blunders, but they're just so successful, the blunders don't matter. Um, and if you're DC, you can't really afford a blunder. So if you did a Birds of Prey movie with no Harley or no one that someone casual knows, and it flops, everyone's going to be... Prime example to you, Shazam not having Black Adam or Superman in it is why it sucked overseas. No one knew who, No one knows who Shazam is. And it wasn't even that good of a movie to really cater to like, hey, well, at least we were a good movie. No, 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 not at all. And then you mentioning Black Adam, but not having him in it. And then you having Superman, but just like his chest, in, you know, his chest down. Like, those are the things that, that go to people kind of going, you're a joke, you know, you're a joke. And that's why Shazam didn't have worldwide success. Things like that. That's why I said, if you're going to do a Shazam movie... You should probably do it the same way you did the animated movie, Shazam and Superman versus Black Adam. That should be your first movie. That way you introduce both Black Adam, Shazam, and you have a familiar face with Superman so people cater to it um, or people gravitate towards it. The fact that they didn't is exactly why this movie didn't do well overseas. So I'm like, if you're Birds of Prey, you don't have that luxury. Give people what they know. And hope everything else fills out for people that are fans of Birds of Prey. That's all you could ask for. Um, but yeah, I mean, but see, yeah, this goes to the point that I was making to you before about why you can't have a Spawn movie called Spawn and no Spawn in it. Like, <laughs> people will burn the world down. Um, and, and it just, no studio should be stupid enough to get behind that. 
uh, unless you pull off like huge castings for the cops. Like that's the only thing that could really work for you. And Jeremy Renner isn't that huge guy that could make up for having it being called Spawn. But I don't see Jamie Foxx not one. Does doesn't add up. Doesn't add up. Um, but all right, let's move on. We got our main topics to get to. Uh, let's start off with the news of the week. Uh, Doctor Strange 2 loses its director due to quote-unquote creative differences. Creative differences to me are the same as when an actor says he left the project because conflict of schedule. Um, Henry Cavill came out recently and made that known that if you really want to do a role and it's close to something else you're doing, you could do it. Like, you could do it. Um, so, I mean, I've always thought that was that was bullshit. Like, when, when an actor goes, oh, no, no, no. Prime example, when um, uh, Tom Hardy left Suicide Squad and said, oh, no, 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 I love the script, but, like, it was conflicting with something else that I was doing. Yeah, right, bullshit. When you see the way that Suicide Squad was written, it was clear that that movie was for Will Smith and Margot. There was no room for a third, uh, a third person to be latched on. Um, so he clearly didn't like how much it catered to Will and Margot. It was like, I'm out. Like, eh, I don't want to do it, which is cool, but just say that. Like, there shouldn't be anything wrong with just saying that. Um, so Scott Derrickson pretty much is saying he left because he didn't like the script, um, which I, again, completely understand. Uh, I was just saying this the other day that um, it, it took Kevin Feige a while to realize that these movies don't have to connect for it to be in the same universe. Black Panther, if you didn't see any other Marvel movie, right, leading up to Black Panther and you only saw Black Panther, you wouldn't think that it's connected to the MCU till the end credit scene where you see Bucky come out of the tent because it was just such in its own world. Like, you didn't hear any talk about the Avengers. You didn't hear any Tony Stark. You didn't see any Tony Stark. It was just T'Challa. It, it was just Black Panther and Wakanda. Um, it very much felt like its own thing. Um, Joel said Doctor Strange felt like it, too. But it, Doctor Strange was different. It felt like a Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it felt like it was still supposed to connect. Uh, ultimately, it didn't, really. But um, it, it just felt like it was. Uh, so, I mean, seemingly it looks like where the difference was was that he probably wasn't feeling that Scarlet Witch was being uh, thrown on to him. Um, I mean, this news came out at San Diego Comic-Con that uh, uh, Scarlet Witch would be in Doctor Strange 2. So, ultimately, she's been in the script for a while. Um, but, but, see, I'm curious. What do you think was the last straw that made Scott kind of go, I'm out. Like, I, I I don't want to do this. I'm out. To be honest, I don't necessarily know what maybe the final straw was, other than maybe the fact that he didn't like the idea of having Scarlet Witch in it and having to perhaps tie it to WandaVision. Um, I know that a lot of people are sitting there saying that he dropped out because he wanted to make a horror movie and Kevin Feige backtracked and said that, no, it's not a horror movie. To me, I don't know why that would be enough for him to have walked away because he he already made the first Doctor Strange movie and it wasn't a horror movie. 
and he was able to input some. I actually just watched Doctor Strange this morning. Uh, there were some pretty gruesome scenes in it. So Scott Jackson was still able to input some of that into the movie if that's really what he wanted to do. Um, so I don't necessarily know maybe what the final straw was. I was speaking about this with Kanan, and he pointed out that Scott had been kind of tweeting out some really cryptic things for the past few months anyway. So this is something that I think was a long time coming. Scott Derrickson talked about uh, how, you know, studios are the killers of ideas. He retweeted the tweet where Oscar Isaac kind of was saying that he'd never work for Disney again. And uh, Scott Derrickson retweeted that and said that, you know, Oscar Isaac is the treasure. Uh, and, you know, so just little things here and there that probably should have been some sort of indication that Scott was not happy with how things were going. And I think eventually he just sat there and he was like, I'm not fully into this movie. My heart is not fully into this movie and I don't feel like directing it. And I, I do want to say, Juan, that I'm not heartbroken over this. I like the first Doctor Strange. But there were things that could have been cleaned up about it. And to me, knowing that he's leaving, I mean, it sucks in a way because, um, you know, to have the same director for both movies would have been great. And so he obviously knows the character. He obviously knows the world. But it didn't feel, say, the same as when we thought that the Guardians of the Galaxy was losing out on James Gunn, you know? I didn't feel the same way hearing Scott Derrickson was leaving. I'm like, we've had movies before where they've had an original director and that original director left, and we got a pretty good uh, product. The prime example is Edgar Wright was supposed to direct the first Ant-Man, and Peyton Reed came in, and uh, to me, the first Ant-Man is still one of my favorite movies within the MCU. So I'm not overall distraught over this. I saw so many people like, just throw away Doctor Strange 2 then. Uh, there is no Doctor Strange without Scott Derrickson. I'm like, you know, Kevin Feige knows what he's doing. And as I said before, it seems like Scott was not happy for a while. And his uh, tweet out makes it seem like this is something that him and Marvel had already talked about. So I'm sure Kevin Feige is already shopping around for new directors to kind of take over. So, um, again, I don't fully know what maybe the issue was other than I have to think that maybe he just didn't like the fact that this Doctor Strange movie is going to feature Scarlet Witch um, and probably very heavily maybe he didn't like that idea and he didn't like the idea of having to make sure that it ties in so much to WandaVision. So that's kind of what I'm spitballing here, but overall what I really wanted to say about it is that I'm not heartbroken over it. This movie, by all means, should be a horror film. If your main villain is, um, I don't think his name is Nightmare. Maybe it is Nightmare. I'm, I'm completely brain dead today, guys, but there is a, a rumored <laughs> villain that was supposed to be the villain for Doctor Strange 2 as very much a horror villain. Um, and, I mean, if you're Scott Derrickson and Feige's telling you you can't have a horror movie but is allowing New Mutants to happen, I'm kind of calling bullshit a little bit. Like, I wasn't going to make it Freddy, you know, Freddy Krueger's 
scary, but like I'd like to make it a little bit scarier than what I did in the first one. Um, so I'm like, Kevin Feige and Bob Iger are going to have to one day sit down and say, all these movies can't be cookie cutter. They just, they can't all be. It will grow tiresome at some point. It will. Uh, will, my prime example of that is every day I watch the CW. Let me be more specific. Every day I watch The Flash, I'm like, they're one Iris episode away from me never watching the show again. Because it's just, it's <laughs> not realistic. Like, every time Barry's, like, almost going to die, all it takes is Iris calling him and saying, I believe in you. What is the point of The Flash then? Like, why can't he do this on his own? Why does it take someone saying, I love you, every time for him to find the strength within? That is so idiotic. And that's why I'm saying it. It usually takes one ep- – I tell you the episode that almost made me done with the CW, the We Are the Flash. I almost threw oh, yeah. all the CW in the garbage. I almost threw that entire CW in the garbage, man. So I look at Marvel and I go, you can't always ha- – that's why Endgame and Infinity War were refreshing because it's like these guys always survive. And, like, the stakes never seem high enough. Um, And when you get – death from your heroes it's like well there you go there it is you know what i'm saying so it's like give more stakes give something else give something new that's why new mutants was such a breath of fresh air when i saw the first trailer for it i'm like no one's doing horror scary horror superhero movies like this looks really good so i'm like if scott derrickson wanted to do a horror doctor strange movie let him like, I loved how trippy Doctor Strange was. I still don't think it's in my Marvel top 10, maybe 15, but definitely not top 10. But I love how trippy it was. I mean, I hate that they wasted Dormammu. Um, but there are a lot of good things that Scott Derrickson did with that movie. One of them being making the Ancient One a woman. Like, I love that. No one wants to see no old, old dude as the Ancient. No, give me something new, refreshing. Um, so I am really curious on what was the straw that broke the camel's back. I am sure that this will probably be something that we will hear more about after this movie comes out, um, where he could be more vocal. Um, he's still an executive producer, so there's probably nothing he could say now. But once this movie comes out in theaters, I think you will hear more from him. I think his time with uh, Marvel or, or Disney, to be specific, is over. Um I said it before. I said if I'm if I'm Feige, I'm being petty as hell. I'm calling uh, if if Kevin Feige is still cool with this movie being a little bit scary or whatever. I'm calling Andy Muschietti. And I'm telling him, hey, I know you got something going on with Netflix, but you know, fuck those guys. Like, come here, come here before <laughs> you do the Flash. Come here before you do the Flash. Before you do Netflix, screw both of them. You do my Doctor Strange too. Um, and I think Andy Muschietti would be awesome. Uh, I think he could really, really, really do some awesome things with, with Doctor Strange, too. Um, and I think it'll get fans even more excited for him to do The Flash because they'll have a superhero body of work before he gets into The Flash. Um, but that's that's obviously such a far leap. I think they'll go with someone we've probably never heard before. Um, and like you said, Tia, they'll fill in and they'll probably do a great job. Uh, I still think this movie is going to – go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
someone was suggesting that maybe have the director who's doing WandaVision step in. If there's going to be so many sides, and if he does WandaVision successfully, maybe have him come in and do Doctor Strange too. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. Here's my thing. I think directors don't really truly matter in the MCU because Kevin Feige kind of walks in a room and goes, hey, your underlining story has to be this. And it's like, but I want to do this. No, you're going to do this. Um, so it's like, you could really get anyone to kind of direct MCU movies and they should I usually think, all, all be a hit. I think that it only matters maybe truly in the fact that if they also write the script. Because I was looking on the Wikipedia, and you'll see James Sun writes the script and he directs. Taika Waititi writes the script and he directs. So if you already have someone who's writing the script for Doctor Strange 2, and it's not Scott Derrickson, then, yeah, you could just bring someone in to execute the script. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Uh, Will, what are your thoughts on Scott Derrickson? Uh exiting stage right um that's it i really don't have much more to add than what you all have pretty much laid out there um uh, you know i think uh, uh you know picking up your point with the uh cw and, and lack of stakes and on our podcast that's one of the things we are re- really big about so um but it, i think with the if it is a situation where Feige and the studio is just like, okay, we're going to have to, we're, we're going to shoot really make major changes with the script and the direction of the story. And as far as what his initial vision was for it, to, to accommodate WandaVision, then yeah, I think uh, if WandaVision does have a, one director, who's going to be doing all the shows uh, yeah, that makes sense to bring them in because they could definitely have that continuity between the the TV universe and the TV shows and the and the uh, feature films, uh, which I guess gets into the whole. I guess with, with the new Disney Plus shows, and we think about how they're going to integrate those shows and and like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter and Winters and everything into the the grander grander MCU, uh, uh, you wonder if we're going to start seeing more of these types of stories uh, where some people may step back, like like we've seen, for example, in in Star Wars, where you've looked at, I think, about the five films that have uh, been uh, released under Kathleen Kennedy's watch. I think, what, three, three of them have had changes at the top of Star's director when you look at Solo, uh, I guess Rogue One had issues, um, and of course the, the main trilogy. So um, will it get to that point where some AP, A-list people, A-list directors may start to say, you know, MCU, maybe we're going to back off and, I, and, 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 and not do this if they do start having a more cookie-cutter approach or having more meddling from Feige uh, that would dissuade some, some directors from, from taking, taking up a, a film in that franchise. I, I think if you're a director and you want to direct an MCU movie, I think you kind of 
have to understand like that that's this this is this is how the game is played. Feige comes in, tells you this is what he wants, and you work to that. Um, I, I'll say this. I'll say Feige has a healthier track record of people enjoying directing there than he does people that don't. Um, like you can only really go um, uh, Patty, Patty Jenkins, Edgar Wright, and now Scott Derrickson. Um, I, I don't think you have a large body of work of, of people that have left the MCU. Um, you know, well, Josh, Josh, well, Josh, Josh, we didn't left. He didn't come back after Ultron, so yeah, but he didn't leave like before a movie that he was supposed to do. Um, say it again, he didn't come back. I said, No one's sad about that. Did you watch Age of Ultron? Oh, no, I agree (laughs) with you. It was Josh's time to leave. Um, he should have left. Actually. That would have been the best time to leave before you actually started a movie is when he did Age of Ultron. Russo should have came in there. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I, I don't think anyone should really be heartbroken over Scott Derrickson uh, leaving. I don't think this means Doctor Strange 2 won't be good. I also don't think – here's the problem. If you're Scott Derrickson and you had a very strict idea on what you wanted Doctor Strange 2 to be, it does not help that it looks like this movie could bridge to be how we get X-Men. And it's like, well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, your movie now has to make up a TV show, and your movie now has to introduce possibly the biggest franchise in all of superhero history, the X-Men. Good luck with that. And it's like, well, can this movie just be about Doctor Strange? Is that is that too hard to ask? <laughs> like. So I mean, if if that's the case, I could understand how that would put someone off. It's 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 a lot. It, it's a lot. Um, but all right, let's let's move on. God bless you, Scott Derrickson. Hopefully, you come out with a project that just completely is a box office hit, and we forget about the fact that this ever happened. But all right, let's move on. Um, all right, let's say in Marvel, we got rumor that Christian Bale was in talks to join Thor four. A lot of people are speculating that it could be for a mocap role, which means a lot of people are immediately assuming that's Beta Ray Bill. I think that's really dumb, but okay. Uh, Tia, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Christian Bale possibly coming out of his superhero retirement join Thor 4? Yeah, I thought that was really shocking. I love Christian Bale, I think he is possibly one of the greatest actors of our time. Um, but I certainly didn't see him stepping into a role for the MCU. We obviously just talked about the MCU kind of having a formula, being a little cookie cutter, and I don't see Christian Bale really fitting into that, especially Thor 4, especially uh, with Taika Watiti standing behind it. Uh, that really shocked me. Um, but it'd be cool. That's something I don't think anyone really saw coming. Um, that it So for Christian Bale, we obviously see he takes on challenging roles. And I think that for him to be in talk with Marvel, it obviously isn't because he's strapped for money and he just wants to do something just to get a paycheck. Um, I think that he might must have really seen something that Tycho was offering and Kevin Feige was offering that he really gravitated to. So 
it's really cool. I'm insanely interested in knowing who he could potentially play. You're right, <laughs> Joan. The whole entire internet erupted with the, the uh, conspiracy theories of him being Beta Ray Bill. Um, I guess it was kind of, you know, I can see him playing a mocap character, but as far as who he's going to play, I'm not exactly sure. It will be interesting. It'll be really interesting. I'm going to say that just because I never would have seen Christian Bale in an MCU movie. But yeah, I'm excited. This is awesome. Thor 4, like, let's go. You know me. I love Thor Ragnarok. I love Psycho FTP. I'm just excited in general for this movie. So if you're saying that you're going to put one of the greatest actors of all time in it, then yeah, let's go. Yeah, I just think someone, I just think people thinking he's going to be Beta Ray Bill is just like, why? Like, I always imagined Christian Bale would join the MCU to play Norman Osborn. But, like, I never would have thought, like, oh, Christian Bale is going to come and be a hero. Like, what? No. Um, To me, I believe Christian Bale will be playing Gore. Gore in the comics is uh, known as the God Killer. Um, and what Gore does is just go around uh, the um, what do what do they call them? Not the Seven Kingdoms, but the uh, I, I forget what Thor the called nine it. realms. Nine realms. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Gore goes around the nine realms and kills anyone that uh, that is godlike. Um, and I feel mm. as though that is that is a character. Actually, Tia, uh, well, while I'm talking, if you guys want to Google him really quickly, you would see Gore could be a mocap character. Um, so it's not like Beta Ray Bill is the only mocap character in the whole history of Thor. Um, Gore actually looks freaking awesome. And I could easily see Christian Bale taking on Gore. Uh, Gore the God Butcher is his full name. Excuse me. Uh, Gore had a lot of battles against Odin in the comics, but um, obviously since Odin is dead in the MCU, it would all be Thor. Um, and I think Gore would be a great way to end Thor. Um, that'd be how Thor dies. And, you know, we finally get to see Thor ascend to be with his father and his brother. Um, so, I mean, that, that would be my guess as to who Christian Bale would be playing and should be playing, honestly. Uh, just makes the most sense. The only issue is, I heavily believe this next door movie will take place 85% on Earth. Don't really know how Gore would look being on Earth. Um, there's another character that someone brought up that is, is part human that could turn himself into like this big kind of like monster. Um, it's like a, uh, like a, he's like a CEO of like this business, but like, you know, at night he turns himself into like this huge monster or whatever. I'm like, ah, that that could work. But um, Gore is who I'm going with. Will, what are your thoughts on Christian Bale possibly joining the MCU? Uh, when I first heard this news, I was very excited. Just as Tia said, I mean, he is definitely one of our uh, modern b- best actors. He can play anything. I mean, I, I was uh, recently watched uh, Vice, and I mean, he 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 became Dick Cheney. <laughs> I mean, so fantastic and, and movie. Of, was that? I said fantastic movie. Yeah, fantastic movie, uh, and just 
you know, when you think about just all the roles that he's played, he it will be a welcome addition to the MCU. Uh, we we you know we've talked on our podcast about how the MCU is really when you think about it has really drawn in many A-list actors uh, and and people who I mean they had Robert freaking Redford for example so you know so for Bell to join the MCU is it, it, very exciting and it just again you know reinforces the that uh, we're comic book movies are are not just Junk. I mean, to, to take you know, to not to dump on Scorsese, but you know, this is the this is the in this modern era, these films are 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 really here to stay. So, so that was very exciting for me to hear that. As far as what character, I've heard both Gore and Beta Ray Bill uh, on some of the uh, some of the YouTube channels that I watch. As far as possible. Uh, characters that he could play, um, you know. I guess with Gore, I think some I've heard some concerns. Well, you know, would Bell do something that would require a lot of prosthetics and moaning? You know, again, go back to Dick Cheney. So, you know, so I think he's comfortable being able. He's a chameleon, and he will. You know, he throws himself in the roles, even though I know he said he probably wouldn't be doing the uh, roles where he's having to do great physical changes because just the, the, the toll it takes on him. Uh, physically, but I I look forward to having him here and, and and whatever whatever role they cast him in, he'll do an awesome job, and we we will just be him. I, you know, I, I think Thor. If if they're if they're going to put him in an MCU film, I think having him play opposite Thor in some capacity is the the best, probably one of the best ways to do it. So. So yeah, I, 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 I think can't wait to see how this develops, and uh, hopefully they can they can lock it down, and and in a couple in a few years we'll be just marveling about uh, how great this Thor four is, is because of of what they what they've been able to pull off here. Yeah, and I, I do want to say to people like you could do Gorn practical. Um, it, it doesn't have to be. <clears throat> um, anything that that that's too strenuous on 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 Christian Bale, mainly because like Chris Hemsworth isn't that that huge compared to what he looks like in the comics. So I'm like, Gore doesn't have to drastically look that much like he does in the comics. A lot of it can just be um, motion capture, to where he's not really doing that much, um, you know. And, and a lot of it is more so visual effects. Um, when you look at Gore, you look at him and you kind of go that's probably more visual effects than it is anything else. Um, but there's a lot that Christian Bale could do. He should not do Beta Ray Bill. Don't. Don't, Christian Bale, listen to me. L- listen to me. Don't. Okay? There's no need for you to do that. Uh, we love you, and we want to see you do something meaningful, not Beta Ray Bill. All right, anyway, let's move on. I want to uh, talk Flash. We got news from Andy Muschietti that um, – his Flash movie will be a loose adaptation of Flashpoint. Obviously, what he's trying to say is don't put all the pressure on him that Robert Pattinson's Batman will connect due to his Flashpoint or anything like that. Uh, I said on our live, on on Facebook Live, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, that 
I think, and Will, I think you'll appreciate this because you watched the, the Flash, the, the TV show. Um, I think they should go, obviously in the Flashpoint comic, it was Barry's mom dying and, and that kind of just weighing on him, weighing on him and him going back in time to see what life would be like with his mom. I think what you should do if you're Andy Muschietti to heighten the state is a lot of people who aren't that knowledgeable of the comics only saw Justice League, right? So you got no mention of his mom. You only saw his, well, the mention that you got was that his dad killed his mom, right? So the way that you can right. amplify that is kill his dad, have his dad die in prison, someone stabbed him or whatever, and that weighs on Barry, and he wants to go back in time to where he has not only his mom, but his dad also. Um, and you're seeing this this reality to where he has both his parents. Uh, I, I think the problem is when you say the word flashpoint, right, it has large implications for so many reasons. One, it's a whole new reality that it builds. Um, two, people assume that that means, oh, Wonder Woman's in it and she's going to be evil. She's going to fight Mira. No. Um, people think, oh, Batman's going to be in it, but it's a, it'll be a different Batman. Maybe Robert Pat. No. Think of it like this. Think about his flashpoint the same way you walked in the Civil War and that was not at all close to the comic book of Civil War. Not one point of that movie was accurate to that comic book. Outside of Cap and Iron Man beefing, no, not even the teams were accurate. So I'm like, wipe that out of your mind. <laughs> it's not going to be an exact adaptation of the comic book. It probably won't even be remotely close. But good point Joel made is, if you're Andy and you aren't going to make it anything like the actual comic, don't call it Flashpoint. Just call it The Flash. And it has elements of Flashpoint in the movie. But if you call it Flashpoint, people are going to they're going to they're going to kill you. And very weirdly, all these comic purists, none of them had an issue with Captain America Civil War. And that shit wasn't accurate at all. And I'm like, "Oh, you guys really pick and choose." Um, so, I mean, well, I'm going to go to you first. What, when Andy Muschietti says he, he wants to do a loose adaptation of Flashpoint, what does that mean to you? So, I, when I heard that, I, I these all came to my mind. One, so we're going to see Thomas Wayne. <laughs> uh, two, uh, <laughs> two, I, uh, I was, I couldn't help but think about the adaptation that the CW did with Flashpoint, and I call it Flashpoint name only because, again, they, again, they took elements of the story, uh, but it, it, it was not Flashpoint, and and so to whenever you whenever you put use the name of a seminal event in a comic book universe, which Flashpoint is, people, comic purists are going to expect that. And so you, you, even, if you, even if you try to explain it and say, no, 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 we're, it's an adapt- adaptation and blah, 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 I, you, you, you know, you can't, that's like saying you're making a Harry Potter film and you're just, just and the prisoner of Azkaban did not have a single like plot point from the story in in the movie. You just can't do it. 
And so I, I'm concerned with you saying, oh, we're going to adapt Flashpoint, and then, but it's not going to be Flashpoint. And like as you said, don't call it Flashpoint. Just call it this is the Flash. And you know, if it's going to be in a new 52 vein where we're going to, uh, you know, re- re- retroactively uh, change up Barry's story as far as his mother and and getting Dallas by Kim, all that versus you know what we saw in the Silver Age, then then just do it that way and not call it a flashpoint because it, it will it's going to blow comic purists mind and and I I'm you know with this project even to begin with, it's been on again, off again, start up, you know, Ezra Miller was doing his own version of the script and everything like that. And I yeah, you know, the my enthusiasm for it has has kind of waned. Uh, and then when I hear that they're planning on doing flash, doing a something called Flash at the Flashpoint, and it's not going to be Flashpoint, then I'm just sort of like, okay, um, you're you're going to, you're going to cause a, a lot of confusion for new fans, but you know, and for old fans who know what Flashpoint actually means, it, you're, you're you're setting yourself in a for a social media Star Wars type of of reactions from folks, that's just going to be not 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 bode well for the film because uh, folks will get caught up in all that stuff and not really take the film for its merits. And so we'll see what happens. But right now, I'm just sort of I'm saying I'm taking a wait and see mode as far as seeing how this thing develops. I think as fans. Um, a lot of people, especially these these comic purists, I think they have to they have to start realizing that there will never be outside of maybe Watchmen might have been the closest we'll ever be to it. There will never be a shot for shot accurate portrayal of a comic turned movie. There just won't be. There will not be. Infinity War elements of that weren't accurate. Elements of Endgame weren't accurate. Um, which all comes from actual comics. They weren't accurate. They just weren't. But it was fine. It, it, it's it's their interpretation of it. And no one complained about that. So I'm like, we can't now pick and choose like when we want to be purist about things. Like if DC says, hey, I want to do a story to where it's, it's an adaptation of Flashpoint that kind of just puts things where it needs to be. And it is a great story to tell. It him versus Reverse Flash, that is exactly what your first movie should be. Because um, then from there, you can then kind of have a fun part two where it's him versus Rogue Gallery. And then the third one where maybe you do something super crazy like um, Zoom or something like that. So I'm like, Flash is putting itself in a great position by starting with Reverse Flash. Um, and then you can have a fun sequel with him versus the, you know, the his rogue gallery. Um, and then you could finish off with the third movie that Andy Machete could really get scary with it and, and bringing in zoom. So I'm like, I, I like this. I like, I mean, I don't, I'll have to see why he's looking to do flashpoint. Um, because I only thought flashpoint was necessary to do a course correction. Like if you wanted to say, Hey guys, uh, Matt Reeves' Batman came out, did really well. We now want to bring, uh, you know, his Batman into the Justice League. We also brought Henry Cavill back. This is our Justice. 
Like, if you wanted to do that, I'm like, oh, that's a perfect way to do it. But there is no signs pointing to um, Matt Reeves' Batman connecting to anything but a Batman world. Um, so I'm like, why Why are we doing Flashpoint again? Like, what is the point? So I'm just really curious because the, the one of the more defining moments of Flashpoint is Barry going back in time, meeting Thomas Wayne, and bringing that letter back to Bruce. Like, that that made me cry, like, reading that, because it meant so much to Bruce to hear from his dad. Um, and Bruce didn't question it. He didn't do anything. He just read the letter, one teardrop. I still cry thinking about that, because it meant so much. Um, so I'm like, there's elements yeah, of this story. Go ahead, I'm sorry. That's yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, those are those that that to me that's one of the that's why I said my first thought was Thomas Wayne because that is just one of the when I think back on the Flashpoint, I mean that's one of the, the biggest things that that stands out in that in that story is 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 that letter. And so if you don't have that, and it maybe it will be in the movie, but if you don't have that in the movie and tie it into the much larger universe of of with you know Matt with Justice League and, and and Batman and everything to 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 me that really takes away from from what Flashpoint was about and so it, those little those moments from from that 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 story and so I will be looking to this, me as a comic purist it, I will be looking for for that and and I will feel let down by that movie if it doesn't have that type of moment in it, if you're going to use the title Flashpoint. And that's one of the things that maddened me about the CW version as well, was that you're using this title Flashpoint. And again, I realize it's an adaptation, and, I, and, I, and I've preached that you know, to some of my interactions with, with other fans and, and whatnot. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, and and you're right. I mean, it is one of those things where we're picking and choosing where you know where we're being purist and where we're not. But um, I, you know, I think that's why it's it's I'm t- as I said earlier, I'm taking a wait and wait and see approach as, as to see how the story develops and and you know and get and and give them the benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to adapting the story. But uh, but at the same time, I I do hope that if they do go to route of a flashpoint. They do bring in uh, some of the more uh, important points from 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 the story and into the movie. I, I just I, I want everyone to remember that a lot of what the biggest problem about this is Flashpoint, as much as it is a flash uh, flash comic and a flash story, it's an event. It's a DC event. Like it deserves. Exactly. A, a team-up kind of movie. Um, just like CW could have made it one of their crossovers. Flashpoint could have been a crossover. It didn't have to be a five-minute segment um, on one episode. It could have been a crossover. Um, but, I mean, that's just what happens when you're not able to do what the, you know, what the story permits you to be able to do. Like, Flashpoint and CW, you couldn't do Thomas Wayne. There was no Batman. So it's like, you couldn't do Wonder Woman. Right, that's one of the, um, Yeah, that's what, that's what made me so daggone mad about it. I'm like, no, no, don't don't call it that because it's not that. It's I mean, it's 
Yeah, I mean, yes, it was, you know, part of part of Flashpoint is the fact that it's a reset. And if, it, if it's going to be a reset, then they just need to say, this is our reset, and we're using the term Flashpoint to do that. Here's, here's my issue. Warner Brothers, and I'm going to pass it right to you, Tia. I want to go right to you on this. Warner Brothers, I feel, let, let, me, let me say this more opinionated than, than factual. I don't think they need a, a, re- a reset. I think, think of it like this. Wonder Woman success aquaman success shazam if you want to consider it just here in the united states success um the last time we saw superman if you don't count justice league or bvs count as solo movie it was it was a success so i'm like what are you course correcting like just stop making bad movies i mean that's all you have to do you don't have to do like oh we got to do a whole new world now no just stop making bad movies and that helps when the studio stops interfering. So you look at Wonder Woman, really good. Aquaman, really good. Tia might not agree, but Aquaman was pretty solid. Um, So I'm like, the only thing that you have to course correct, and I don't even think it's that big of a deal, just tell people, hey, there's a new Batman. Like, simple as that. Like, get over it. I I shouldn't have to go through a whole flashpoint to explain why there's a new Batman. There's a new Batman. Ben left, okay? Like, sorry, he screwed us over. He left. New Batman. Get over it. And then you have your Justice League again. I don't think you have to go through all these links to make it make sense that there's a new Bruce Wayne. Um, or if you finally decide that you want to recast Henry, that there's a new Superman. Just replace them. I mean, just just replace them. But, but Tia, what, what are your thoughts um, on Flashpoint being uh, what the story could be, but a loose adaptation of, of what the comic was? I mean, I, I'm with Will that as soon as I heard it, I was like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne? Yes. Um, that's kind of really the only thing that I was really interested in. But I do see that maybe this is their way, as you said, Juwan, of course, correcting a little. We see that a lot of the Zack Snyder um you know, ideas for his DC universe are kind of being thrown to the wayside. Certain characters are not around anymore. Certain actors are not around anymore. And now they're moving forward. And while it may be just as simple for you to say to fans, hey, just consider it that we have a new Batman, we have a new this, and, you know, kind of forget those. But, you know, some fans are not that smart, (laughs) which I know it sounds awful, but um, so maybe DC feels like they need a movie like this to kind of move forward and rebuild their own DC universe. So that's really my only thoughts about it. Um, I think it's cool that, yeah, I as you guys said, we're never going to get like truly a comic book accurate storyline really with anything. I mean, Old Man Logan wasn't really anything of what it was like in the comics. Um, and that's just how it is. But I, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing how they do a Flashpoint, what they necessarily have in store. I certainly don't think that this is going to be something where we're going to see an evil Wonder Woman in it. But who knows, right? It's uh, Andy Muschietti behind it, and it could be pretty wacky. I don't know, honestly. Um, I prior didn't know a whole lot about Flashpoint. I learned about it after the CW 
um, just like looking into it, watching the animated movie and stuff like okay. that. So then, you know, learning more. Um, but you know, there's always a different way to do it that makes more sense cinematically, and hopefully, it just works this time. I'm not so much interested in comic book accuracy as I am with just make it good because you guys know there's been a lot of DC movies that I just don't consider good. Well, you scared me for a second. I thought you were about to say, like, the only thing you knew of Flashpoint was from the CW. I was going to go, oh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. I gotta go watch animated movies. It's that I, because I used to watch The Flash. I fell off of it after the third season. But the first time I had heard about Flashpoint was from the CW uh, show. And then after that, uh, Brittany actually introduced me to the animated movie. And I was like, oh, this is nothing like how it was on the CW show. And obviously, that's where I learned what it really was. Yeah, I mean, my biggest issue is if you introduce Flashpoint now, it means you can't do it later. Um, so let's say five years from now, we have a cohesive DC universe, right? Like we got Batman, we got Superman, we got, uh, you know, we got Shazam, we got, uh, you know, we got Greenland, we have everyone, right? You know what you can't do now? A really cool event movie called Justice League Flashpoint, um, where it's an accurate um, story of the events of Flashpoint and the reason why I'm like Flashpoint is better as an event movie is because Ezra is so young. So like young as, as in a sense of his Flash being a young Flash. Like he's only been Flash seemingly, looks like for a little bit. Um, so it would make perfect sense that he would do a rookie mistake and try to go back in time and fix things, right? So it's like that'd be perfect. But if you do it now, you can't do it later. That kind of sucks. Same thing with Civil War. Like, Civil War didn't need to be Cap's third movie. That's an event film. Uh, that's an Avengers-style kind of film. And I'm like, you did it then, so you know what you can't do now that you now have all the characters to do a successful Civil War? Civil War. So I'm like, these things just suck, you know? <laughs> like, they just really do suck. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I trust Andy Muschietti. That's who I trust. Not, not Warner. Um, not at all. I trust Andy, and I trust Andy wanting to do this means Andy is a fan of it. Um, and I trust in that. And we know Ezra <laughs> has very specific ideas that he wants this Flash movie to hit. So, I mean, hopefully it, it, it does what it needs to do is, is, is all I can say. Um, but all right, let's move on. What else do we got here? Oh, shoot, I forgot my rumor for, for Thor 4. Um, all right, so I'll just do this really quickly. The rumor was... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence could be playing Enchantress Enchantress could be someone that's manipulated by our main villain to bring Thor to them uh, excuse me Enchantress then has a um, a huge battle against um, Jane obviously Jane will be Thor um, and it sets up a huge battle between the two of them um, you know, the, the battle for Thor pretty much is what that would be. But um, that, that was what the rumor was. But we can kind of just move right by that. Um, before we lose you, Will, I want to do this Batman, uh, this Batman topic really quick. We got set photos of the Batman. Um, apparently the Batman will head to Glasgow next month and the city will serve as Gotham. Reports are we will see first images of the new Batmobile. 
Glasgow will be turned into Gotham City, and with the city's architecture, it's expected to look great in a new film. That's according to Daily Record. Um, Will, I'll pass it to you before you head off. What are your thoughts on us possibly getting a look at a Batmobile before we see what our Batman looks like? I'm cool with that. I I am actually very excited for the uh, Matt Reeves Batman uh, with again all the you know we've been getting all the good casting news and and so I I I I'm ready for this I, I, I I'm I'm cool with getting a look at the at the uh, Batmobile before we get a look at the new Batsuit fine um, and and I like I, I like the choice of location for 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 Gotham and so I, I think. It, this, this, I guess reset of of Batman because I guess we're getting we're getting a Bruce where he's a little bit younger, is is, is something very exciting and and I I can't wait for this to come out. I will say wherever this is going to take place, I want it to be around, I want there to be a lot of tall buildings. I want there to be a few a few buildings with gargoyles on it because I want an iconic shot of what we got from Batman the Animated Series where he's on top of the building and it's like a thunderstorm and it's very dark out and all you see is his eyes glowing. Um, like, I want that. And I feel as though that's an accurate Batman. And no one seems to ever get that that doesn't write a comic. So I'm like, I want that in a live-action movie. And Robert Pattinson could be the Batman to give it to us. But I will say really quickly, Will, Getting a Batmobile before the Batsuit, to me, I hate, because that means we're going to probably see a version of that Batsuit in the Batmobile as a set photo. I don't want that to be the first time I see any any variation of that Batsuit. Show me the real Batsuit, and then if I see, like, a bad, you know, a, a bad set photo of it, I'm like, I, that's not what it's going to look like. Like, I'm, I, I'm cool. But if that's what I see first, I'm going to go, ah, <laughs> you know, just... Show me the suit. I know you have it finished to where he's I in mean, the suit. The, yeah, but given the, yeah, I, I hear you, and I think you know they'll give we'll give I think the suit do justice as far as that first image of it. I I don't think we'll get uh, just a crappy set photo, you know, of of Pattinson in the Batmobile driving in the suit. I mean, I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll get a good solid look at the suit. To give it its proper proper respect. That's all I could ask for, Will. But all right, before you go, uh, Will, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, you can always find me on Twitter. My personal handle is at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find our Cena Nerd podcast at Cena Nerd. That's at S-C-E-N-E-N-N-E-R-D. You can find we're on all the podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can also find us on the Geek Vibes Network as well. So uh, thanks for having me on. It's been great discussion and look forward to doing it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. You too, brother. All right. See ya. Uh, this is two, uh, two-sided. What are your thoughts on the set photos we've gotten so far? We've seen Bruce Wayne on the motorcycle. Uh, we've seen Penguin, although that's 
definitely not Colin Farrell. Uh, that's definitely his his double. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think we've seen anything else besides that. But your thoughts on the set photos, and then your thoughts on the report of um, them building a uh, a Gotham City, which weirdly is shocking because I believe every interpretation of a live action Batman uh, movie wise has filmed in New York. I could be wrong. Um, but I know the more recent ones have. But but what are your thoughts? So I, you know, didn't think too much of the photos with Robert Pattinson in it just because it didn't look like a whole lot to me. Um, but uh, you are right. To me, it was hilarious seeing those set photos of the Penguin because people were freaking out like, oh, Colin, you know, Farrell, this is it. This is the confirmation. And I, I was legitimately staring at the photo going to myself, that's not Colin Farrell. What are they talking about? That's so not him. So I feel like uh, Matt Reeves had to put that uh, tweet out there just to kind of like confirm to people and maybe like clear up the confusion because then there were a lot of confusion surrounding that. Is that Colin Farrell? No, that's not Colin Farrell. So uh, we have, you know, confirmation that he is indeed our penguin, which is really cool that they're going in that direction. Um, And I kind of think it's cool that they're building their own Gotham city. I mean, it always to me has made sense that they were, you know, at least filming it in New York city because, if you think about it, that's what Gotham really was supposed to be, a over-exaggerated version of New York City during some of the worst times of New York City uh, before it got cleaned up when it was just really dangerous. And that's where what Gotham was supposed to be. Um, and that made sense to me that why they want to film it always in New York City. But if they're building their own Gotham City, first of all, that's huge. Like, that is a huge undertaking, but I think also that that shows that Matt Reeves is going for a certain style with his movies, similar to, I would say, maybe even the Tim Burton movies, where we felt a certain sort of style to Gotham, where Gotham wasn't just, say, a city that all of this stuff was happening within, but it was almost its own character, because we feel that in the cartoons, in the comics, in the TV show Titans. I mean, that to me is like a huge prime example uh, when, you know, Dick Grayson went back to Gotham and it just was this absolute wreckage of a city. And I think that that is supposed to show um, by building it that Matt Reeves is taking like care to really establish his Gotham city in his trilogy. So to me, Honestly, that's the news that I'm gravitating more other than just the set photos because the set photos don't tell me a lot right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I completely get that. They're not, set photos aren't usually meant to tell you anything besides the fact that they're filming. Um, but really, set photos are to kind of give you a general idea on, um, you know, what scenes certain people are in together, stuff like that. Like, It them building. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just laughing at your exasperated uh, sigh there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, building your own Gotham City is pretty dope. Like that, that is really dope. You're right. That is really dope. 
to me, it's just like I need Matt Reeves to hit all the marks with this movie. Like this, you know, I hold Batman to a way different standard than anything else. Um, so I'm like, my expectations for this Batman movie are are like outstanding. Uh, <laughs> like I have a lot of expectations for this Batman movie. Like if he misses one thing, I'm gonna be disappointed. Um, but I, I, my necessity at this point is to see the suit. Um, I wasn't sold on Ben till Zack Snyder very smartly, well before anything came out, put out the suit, Ben in the suit. I still don't like the pose of it. I, I just think that was just like the weirdest, like he just looks so depressed. But it was a great look at that suit. That was a great suit. So I'm like, I just want to see Pattinson in the suit. I know we will soon, but I just want to see that. And then, like, I think I'll start to calm down for my expectations for this movie. Because that's the Which biggest thing. Which is so funny. It's so funny because I'm just so oddly, like, comforted by my confidence of this movie. Like, I strangely feel just so relaxed about it. And... I always say, and I've said it numerous times on these podcasts, that if you had asked me five years ago about Robert Pattinson being Batman, I probably would have been more upset than how I was when they announced Ben Affleck as Batman. Believe me, Juwan, you know me. I hated that news. And I would have been, like, just completely disgusted about Robert Pattinson being Batman. But some reason right now, you know, I've seen things now that he's been in. Um, I just feel like Matt Reeves got this. Matt Reeves like has put together this stellar freaking cast. He's taking his time. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be okay. Hopefully I'm not wrong. I mean, it's going to be just so upsetting if this movie is awful, but I, for some reason, feel very confident. No, and I, I, I'd be inclined to agree with you. With me, it's different. Like, there's two separate things when it comes to Batman that I look for. I look for A, obviously, be a good movie. And B, you have to get elements of Batman correct. And that's been my issue with every interpretation of Batman that we've gotten from the movies is that you just you don't get proper depictions. Like, I hated how realistic... Uh, um. Christopher Nolan wanted his Batman to be because it took away from the mythology of, of the character to where it was just so haunting. Like, I hated that the cape wasn't longer so it could come all the way across his chest. I've hated that every Batman didn't have that. Uh, Michael Keaton's might have been the closest we've had to that, but there's just so many elements of Batman. Like, I need him to be a mythology, like a mythology character. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when you trying to tell me like you're trying to make him more realistic it's like you know you know it's a comic book character right like batman doesn't work for the cia he's not real so i i don't need him to be realistic i I need him to be more like haunting um so hopefully robert pattinson's batman can be that the thing that made me gravitate towards robert pattinson is that you watch the first thing i watched uh when he got announced wasn't any of his movies it was his interviews I wanted to know more about Robert Pattinson, like the the human being, and he's so mysterious. Like he's just there's something about him that just like you feel as though you don't know you don't know everything about Robert Pattinson. Like I there's, feel, there's something that, and that's what drew that's what drew me to 
of really accepting him was like how mysterious and how Bruce Wayne like he seemed. Now that doesn't always yeah. port like it doesn't always translate to Batman. We've seen that with George Clooney, who could be Bruce Wayne in real life, but that doesn't always translate to Batman. Um, so I mean, that's what I'm more curious to see. Like, how do you take someone like Robert Pattinson, who could easily be a loving playboy, uh, even a businessman? Um, how can he be the guy that people fear once the sun goes down? That is what I'm looking to see, how Matt Reeves uh, portrays that, and how terrifying is his Batman going to be? So, I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything. But that's why I said I grade Batman movies on two different levels. I thought Christopher Nolan made really good movies. I don't think he made really good Batman movies, but I I think as as film, he made really great movies. Uh, for Batman. None of them were accurate to any of the characters <laughs> that he was portraying. That was my issue. That's why I always love and hate them. So that's what I'm looking uh, looking at when I'm looking at this Matt Reeves Batman. Yeah. Uh, you know you and I will always disagree when it comes to Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, but I do understand what you mean, that you're looking for that comic book feel with it. And it is interesting that you went and, for your research for Robert Pattinson, decided to watch his interviews. That is really cool, honestly. And we do see that with Robert Pattinson. He is very elusive and mysterious. That certainly, I think, is because he was young when the whole Twilight thing blew up and the paparazzi and publicity was all in his business, especially when it came his relationship with Kristen Stewart. So in the time in between uh, Twilight and this, he has decided not only to stay out of the spotlight, really, but also do really kind of no-name movies, like smaller movies. He could have probably had the ability to go into huge blockbusters, but I think he wanted people to take him seriously and not to see the sparkling vampire and this now obviously I think this kind of goes the same as to what I said with Christian Bale for Thor I think that Robert Pattinson must have really liked what Matt Reeves was pitching to make him want to kind of come out of his whole um, secret type of life that he's in because he has to know that there's going to be a huge spotlight on him when it comes to being Batman and if he thought that being uh, a vampire in Twilight was overwhelming. Just get ready for the freaking uh, comic book fans. See, I I think that's overrated. I think purely because we are in a social media era, uh, we assume that. But remember, there wasn't this huge Batman cloud over Ben. Ben before Batman successful. Ben right after leaving Batman seemingly is still successful. Christian Bale, the same. Like, it, it wasn't like, and I can't even remember, um, you know, like, being Batman following Christian Bale after he left. Um, you know, and I honestly don't think people will talk Batman when it comes to, to Ben Affleck, except for me, going forward. So it's like, I, I don't think that that's something that just heaps all this pressure on you. I think if you're Robert Pattinson, I think you can be Batman and dip low and go do your, um, you know, go do some more small movies and then come back and, and do Batman the sequel and then dip off, do some more small movies and then come back and do the, 
you know, the, the final of the trilogy. I think being Robert Pattinson allows you to do that because you are not this huge person. Like, here's the difference. Let me equate this to you. If you're Michael B. Jordan and you become Black Superman, right, you will not Mm. be able to escape that no matter what project you do. Nothing you do will ever be as high as the fact that you you just became Black Superman. That's not the same kind of level of, um, you know, level of pressure Robert Pattinson has to worry about. Um, even to a lesser oh. degree, I'd say Gail Godot um, had a, a higher level of difficulty than Robert Pattinson will have um, because she came from no background um, and is now about to portray this iconic character. We at least know that there are two, there are two sets of people, people that are going to hate Robert Pattinson just because. Right, like there's nothing Robert Pattinson can do to to sway that. Right, he can come out be a great Batman, great Bruce Wayne. They'll still hate him. And then there are more logical people like me and you that will love Robert Pattinson even if he's maybe not the best Batman. We know he is still a very gifted actor. Um, so I think if you're Robert Pattinson, this isn't a role that if it fails will break you because you don't do movies like this. You can just go back into the world you, you've become accustomed to um, since you left Twilight. Well, since Twilight was over. So I'm like, if you're Robert Pattinson, you are in a very, very, very good situation because there is nothing that this movie, good or bad, can do um, that you haven't already set yourself up for. So if it's a huge success, you've been there with Twilight. If it's a failure, doesn't matter. You go right back into your, your seclusion Make your, your smaller budgeted movie. And life continues. Well, I think I'm mostly kind of just meant the attention that is going to warrant just because we see the huge amount of attention that superhero stars get constantly. Um, and then we see how opinionated people can become with all that. But I guess it then also is just a matter of are you on social media or are you not on social media? Because I only think that I attribute that when you think about, say, what some of the Star Wars uh, cast had to deal with, the harassment kind of that they had to deal with. And I think that if you're someone as private as Robert Pattinson, you may not like that type of spotlight, but I don't think he's on social media. So he might be okay. <laughs> That's the only thing I yeah. don't, you know, like when he was with Twilight, I mean, like he, he probably couldn't walk anywhere without being bombarded constantly, you know? I, I think, I think this. I think if Leo can be a star, uh, Michael, uh, God, the guy that played Magneto, I can't think of his last name. I think we have a lot of uh, A-list Hollywood actors that take huge roles and then we just, Still don't hear from them. Like I, 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 you couldn't really turn on TMZ and, and TMZ caught up with Christian Bale in the height of of the Dark Knight trilogy. You couldn't find Christian Bale. He was one of those dip lowers. Uh, he could dip low. Robert Pattinson is one of those dip lowers. Tia, there's a lot of people that really thought his last movie was Twilight. Like that's how low Robert Pattinson <laughs> got after Twilight. Like just no one, no one knew what he was doing. Um, so that's my point. I think once he does this, he can just dip low again. Like people that hate him will still hate him. People that love him will still love him. He has that ability to just dip low. Like he he knows how to get low and and disappear. 
And that's, again, what, what leads to me feeling really comfortable about him being my Bruce Wayne. I will say one thing I do want you to check out, Tia, is Hollywood Reporters Roundtable. Um, Robert Pattinson did one with uh, the guy from Breaking Bad uh, that played Walter White, Margot Robbie, Octavia Spencer, um, and another actress and actor I think you would recognize. But he just he gave me such a pure vibe that I was like, I'm going to love this guy as Bruce Wayne. I, I, I don't know what I'll ever feel about him. That'll make me go, he'll be a great Batman. But he definitely made me like, I'm going to love his Bruce Wayne. Like, he is so mysterious. Even the way he sits, he's kind of shy. I just, I, I love everything about Robert Pattinson as, as a person. So I think I love his Bruce Wayne. But um, we uh, didn't even notice at the time. Uh, really quickly, let me mention to you, uh, apparently, according to reports, Marvel has, or Disney rather, has debunked the rumor about Hawkeye series being on hold. Um, I'd say we can expect a actual uh, clarification soon. Um, so I don't want us to dig deep into that till we hear more about it. So maybe we'll we'll shelf that for next week. Um, Snake Eyes has begun filming. Still plans a release this year. That means this budget is at least. Five, maybe 10 maybe 15 million um and that's it like there's no way you film a movie in the year and it comes out in the year and you have a budget so i think this movie will be pushed um very quickly tia do you still see this movie coming out this year no not after that report <laughs> yeah i i i'm like because they just started filming and they, they they were saying yeah we're yeah. still coming out this year that kind of sounds impossible but i mean you do you guys. Like, this is my... I, I love Snake Eyes, Tia. I love Snake Eyes same amount that I love Batman. They were, those were the first two characters that I remember in my childhood um, that my stepdad raised me on. So I'm like, Snake Eyes this year, Batman next year, couldn't be happier. Um, but I just think that's, that's pushing it a little bit, trying to come out the same year you film. Like, that that's rough. But, um, all right. Our very last topic, Tia, because we got through everything. I'm, I'm really proud of us. We got through everything. Uh, J.K. Simmons will reprise his role as J. Jonah Jameson in Sony's Morbius film. The role is described as small as, small as a cameo that will bridge MCU and Sony cinematic universe. Uh, very quickly, Tia, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I love J.K. Simmons as uh, J. Jonah Jameson, so I'm not going to be, you know, think that that's far-fetched or anything um i mean it's a little odd i think to maybe bridge the gap in morbius uh it might have made a little bit more sense to have that character in venom too especially with what we just saw at the end of spider-man far from home but do you sony let's see what happens um morbius is still a very mysterious film to me that i'm not sure where the audience is going to be, how successful it's going to be, and how people are going to react to Jared Leto because he is kind of a controversial figure right now. I think the biggest reason why Morbius is going to be what bridges it is because it takes place in New York. Um, Venom is still in San Fran, so it just makes the most sense. And... Um, I think if you bridge the two, I think Sony and, and, and Disney have been listening to this podcast because I think you are really opening the door for Morbius to lead into Blade. 
um, which mm-hmm. you know, we've been saying since for forever, um, that if you were smart, you would bridge those two and let that be what helps keep Spider-Man in the MCU. Tell them, hey, Mahershala Ali versus Jared Leto, come on, people want that. Or them teaming up, people want that. Um, so I think it's just them being smart and logical. Uh, maybe I agree with you, this isn't the movie people were expecting to be the one that bridges the two. Um, but what I'm more curious to see is does it bridge Spider-Man being in the Sony universe or does it bridge Morbius being in the MCU? There is a very big difference between the two. Um, Because if this movie is just explaining that Spider-Man exists in the Sony world, that's a whole nother conversation. But from this report, it seems like it's saying Morbius is being introduced into the MCU. That's a whole nother topic also. So I'm like, I'm curious on where the balance of the two is, because um, one means something and one means something completely different. Um, But I am hearing, Tia, from a report that we will be getting a trailer tomorrow, as soon as tomorrow. Um, We did get a leaked photo of Morbius. Looks great. Um, I mean, that photo looked really good. And apparently Sony was having people take it down. So it was. It was from the leaked trailer. Uh, so I think the trailer originally was supposed to come out later this week, but since that photo came out, I think they're fast-tracking it to get ahead of any other leaks from it. Um, because so they've been... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, they have been really elusive with that. I mean, as far as I know, I haven't seen really any set photos, anything like that. We, You know, we're seeing set photos now for the Falcon and Winter Soldier, show we're seeing set photos for the Batman we you know back uh we saw set photos previously for the first Venom it's like I feel like they're keeping this very under wraps so it's going to be very interesting to see the trailer um if it comes out tomorrow well we did get a lot of set photos of of Morbius the problem is and that's why I said if you're Sony you're really screwing the pooch on your marketing the problem is Tia it seemed like it's been forever since we even heard that filming had started for this movie. So it started to become, is this really going to come out this year? Because, like, I've heard nothing. But when it started filming, yeah. you had a lot of photos of Jared Leto um, in street clothes on the street. Um, that's where I, mm-hmm. I, I think I heard that it's supposed to take place in New York. Um, you saw, you did see Tyrese on set. So, like, you did get set photos, none of them of him as Morbius, just him as, as a human. But you got a crap ton of those. Um, but I did not see any of those. It's been so long. That, that's what I'm saying. If it was closer to when it was filming, uh, you would have heard more about it because I'm sure Kanan had posted it. But it's been so long to you that it's like, even if you did see it, you wouldn't remember because it's been, it's been forever. Um, but we did get uh, a lot of set photos from uh, Jared Leto on set of Morbius. But um, yeah, they, they should definitely heighten their their... Uh, promotion for this movie because a lot of people forgot that it even was made so hopefully this trailer yeah. does it um, but uh, yeah no we had a great show today Tia uh, I want to thank Will for joining us uh, I want to thank you for joining us um, really quickly Tia plug up top 10 awesome yeah yesterday actually we did the top 10 it was the top 10 witcher moment so please make sure to keep a lookout for that me and AJ had a ton of fun with it and 
Every weekend we do a different top ten, whether it's more of a generalized, you know, best uh, movies of the year, worst movies on Netflix, or when we do things like best Witcher moments, best moments from, you know, any sort of Marvel movie. So that's what we do, and we have a lot of fun. I hope anyone who's listening has a lot of fun, you know, listening to us. Absolutely, and make sure you also check out um, Tia, Kanan, Martin, Dom, and I think maybe Adrian, our award show. So everyone who voted um, online, we did a award show to give you guys the official winners. So make sure you guys check out that podcast. Also, you guys know where you can find us, wherever the DSPs are, Spotify, um, wherever, iTunes, whatever. Make sure you check us out. Make sure you check out Top 10. That was an awesome episode. Definitely regretted that I didn't hop on. Um, but make sure you guys check <laughs> you that nice. out. I, <laughs> I was so upset. I, I, I completely uh, whiffed that. But make sure you guys check that out. And make sure you check us out um, next week when we come back for an all-new episode. And stay tuned for Much Ado About Nothing. Me and Joelle are going to have a lot of fun this week. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for that. All right. Till next time, guys. Peace. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.